Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Out of the Blue. It is a beautiful sunny Sunday here in Melbourne. It is the 20th of August. You are listening to Out of the Blue and we are on 3CR 855 AM. You could also be listening online at 3cr.org.au forward slash radio blue or you could be podcasting the show. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 9419 8377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. Well, welcome to Out of the Blue. I'm Heather. And I'm Erin. And today we're going to be talking about all things marine as usual. That's right. Beautiful sunny day in Melbourne. It's fantastic out there. It's really, really brilliant. It's a bit of an up and down week with the weather, but it's fantastic out there today. Well, I'm off to the footy later, so I'm hoping it's just a little, it's little s- bit warmer or at least the MCG doesn't get the wind. As long as you've got the sunshine out there, it should be a great day. Yeah, I think that's all I need. And a Melbourne win, obviously. Of course. Yes, of course. that would just be the highlight of my day. <laughs> now, today we're going to talk about something quite interesting, um, a little bit left of centre, but... Heather, you did something quite fascinating just last week. Can I you think tell us? Everything we do is left of centre, isn't it? Well, that's of course. Of course, you're right. Centre is is boring. Centre is boring. boring. Yep. Yeah, I did do something pretty cool last week. Um, I had been looking around on Facebook, looking for you know people who were going scuba diving or something, even though it is freezing and my dry suit needs a repair. It's currently a very wet dry suit. Sure. Um, but I saw that there was an event at the Alfred um, doing something I've wanted to do for years. And it was a tour of the hyperbaric chamber. Hyperbaric chamber. Hyperbaric chamber. Yes. Now, when you first told me about this, I had absolutely no idea what this is. So I didn't realise I terrified people. So I put a post on Facebook um, with some photos of the chamber, and I said, "Ah, oh, had such an amazing night at the Alfred last night. You know, seeing something that hopefully I never see again." And the first post was Jackie, who used to be on Out of the Blue, who's now over in England. She's like, "Oh my God, are you okay?" That's right. And that's when I realised that my post wasn't very clear, that I was 100% fine. I saw the post, I saw the words, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? Are you okay? <laughs> if I'd spent a little bit more time, I would have actually just seen pictures yes. of the actual chamber and, and realised- And not me in like a gown looking <laughs> sad and sick. That's right. All I, all I 
read was like something was going wrong. I'm like, no, what's going on? Are you okay? I know. I didn't realise. I look at it now and I go, oh, actually, yeah, that was I, – I could have been a little bit clearer there. Absolutely. Because That's I was okay. the only one there. I'd just gone by myself, um, just booked a ticket. It was only 20 bucks, and, yeah, it was it was amazing. Your own private tour of a hyperbaric chamber. Well, not private. There was about 50 of us. But, yeah, oh, okay. it was still a pretty good tour. Great. So the Alfred tries to run them um, three times a year, and it was just – it took me back to when I was learning to dive and it took me back to all the medical side of things that you learn about and you're told how to dive properly and, you know, you don't want to get the bends. And then it was nice seeing, okay, so if something does go wrong, these are the people who are going to look after me and these are the people who are going to give me the best care possible. That's great for peace of mind. But yeah. look, what is a hyperbaric chamber? Okay, so hyperbaric chamber is basically hyper, high, baric pressure and what the chamber does is it takes you back down to pressure so you need the chamber when you have decompression illness or what people usually call the bends right so when you start to learn scuba diving everyone's like oh the bends everyone talks about the bends i think films like the bends almost as much as they like sharks it's a scary thing yeah it is it's very scary it is um it's a very simple concept though so what happens is when you're breathing underwater um you have nitrogen that's building up in your blood and you're breathing it at pressure, so the nitrogen stays nice and small. Okay. But as you slowly come up to the surface, the nitrogen bubbles, like all gas in your body, begins to expand. Right. So you need to make sure that you're ascending at a rate that allows that nitrogen to, I guess, disperse out of the blood. Okay. If you ascend too quickly, which you may do if there's an emergency or if something's happened that causes you to ascend, or there are, there are many other things that can happen. Um, but the nitrogen bubbles stay quite large, and this is when it starts to cause you health problems. So the bubbles mm. can form at your joints, and this is when you get the bends. So it's still sounding really scary. Yes. Still, yes, still it's something terrifying. I 100% never, ever, 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 ever want to get. Right. Um, somebody said that if I want to be a true scuba diver, I need to experience it. And I was like, um, no. What a bit like- I know that stingray barbs hurt, but I don't need to have a stingray stab me in the leg to know that. Of course. Like, <laughs> I don't need to experience the bends. You can just take it t- take it for granted. I'm yeah, going to take everybody's hurt. word for it, yep. that it's not a nice experience. Of course, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was fascinating. It started with um, some PowerPoint presentations by some of the medical staff at the Alfred, and they do an incredible job. Like, they have a really dedicated team and- they spend hours in the chamber with the, the patients that they're looking after. And it's, it's not just people who scuba dive. They're also looking after um, other patients, so radiotherapy patients. If they get burns from their radiotherapy treatment oh. um, to treat the cancer, uh, hyperbaric chamber treatment or hyperbaric oxygen treatment, I think it's called, um, has been proven to help with some of those wounds. So changing the pressure of yeah. the, the atmosphere around that person helps. Yes. And you're almost super saturating your body with oxygen. So because your, your, your cells need oxygen, mm-hmm. if you can provide them with more than normal, this can help them repair at a slightly faster rate. So if someone does get the bends, and uh, let, let's hope no one does, but they-, they Oh, get, fingers crossed. Yep. They get airlifted to the Alfred. Yes. Uh, put in this hyperbaric chamber- Obviously, there are a lot of positives. Is there a really good chance of survival then? So each of the the cities in Australia, each of the the capital cities has, um, or each of the cities in the state, you know what I'm trying to say. It's a really early start to the morning. Um, Everyone's (laughs) got a chamber. There are then some private chambers as well. I don't know where they're located, but each of the major hospitals have a chamber. So at the Alfred, what would happen is if you um, suspected that you had the bends, 
They said the number one problem is people going to denial. Oh, okay. And I was sitting there and everyone's laughing and I was sitting there going, oh, my God, yes. Yeah. I can 100% see no one wants why to, people do it. People um, don't want to think that they've got something really terrible going on. Exactly. Maybe I'm just feeling a bit off. Well, it's not Maybe only that, exhausted. but they also said that, you know, you're going out and you're diving with your dive buddies because you never dive alone. Yep. And you might surface and your buddy might be fine. Yes. And you surface and you're just not feeling quite right. Yeah. So what are these symptoms that you're looking out for? Well, people's logic is, oh, but if your buddy's fine, you're fine. Ah. If I'm not bent, you're not bent. Okay. All right. So there's this mentality that, no, 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 you're fine, mate. You know, suck yep. it up. You're okay. Yep. I think it's the Aussie way of doing things. Absolutely. She'll be that's right, the, mate. That's the Aussie culture. Exactly. So they said denial is the number one thing and some people don't seek treatment for 24 hours after their dive. Okay. So symptoms usually present quite quickly. Um, yep. You can have sore joints. You can be quite lethargic. Um, I might even post some of the symptoms online actually because some people may like, Oh, hold on. Yeah, headaches and things. Yeah, I'm, I'm recognising some of these. But they're really nondescript, aren't they? They could be yeah. for a whole range of reasons exactly. that you might not attribute to the actual dive exactly. and not, might not attribute to getting the actual bend. So, yeah, you might be more likely to just go, oh, no, I've just I've just had a big dive. Maybe yeah. I was out in the sun a bit much. Just and need you, to drink some more water. Yeah, and you might surface and go, oh, geez, my shoulder's feeling a bit sore. But, you know, maybe I just twisted funny when I was underwater. Maybe I just pulled something. Yeah, you were swimming. Exactly. Using your arms. Exactly. Oh. So this denial is like the number one problem. People just don't even want to consider the fact that maybe they got the bends. It's getting scarier and, and scarier. Some people would see it as a failure. They're like, How can I be a great scuba diver if I've got the bends? Like I followed my tables, because you're you're a non-diver. That's so right. you have these dive tables that you follow. And they tell you how long you can spend at certain depths. And then how long you should have uh, a surface interval or just time, you know, sitting around having food and stuff, um, surface interval before your next dive. So these tables are meant to prevent you from getting bent. And I guess this is a guide and it varies from person to person? Yeah, that's the thing. So it's a very conservative table. So ideally it would cover a large percentage of the population, but everyone's different. No. It's like it's like when you're learning to drive and they tell you all about the blood alcohol level for driving. Yes. And having a drink. Yes. But everyone's different. They're like, there's this factor. There's like time and your body fat and your age and well, whether you're I'm tired. A, I'm and a two-pot scream, scream. So, <laughs> look, it's just very easy for me. I if do I've remember had a your birthday and it was hilarious. <laughs> that was a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, we factor all those things in there, but then we're diving and we have our tables and then most people dive with a computer. And the computer is also quite conservative and it will tell you when you need to consider, you know, getting a little bit shallower and things like that. So people have this idea that if they begin to see symptoms of being bent, that they're like less of a diver because clearly they've failed at something. Oh, that's just that's just the worst opinion to have. Yeah, I know. And, and the funny thing is, I mean, I remember when I learned to dive, I was 17. Everybody else in the, the course was older than me. And I remember at one of the dives, at end of the dives, I was exhausted. And we surfaced and everyone else was completely fine. And I didn't have great fitness as a 17-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I played sport at school. But I was absolutely exhausted. And I didn't want to tell anyone because I was like, I must be doing something wrong. Why are they all fine? And I just want to have a sleep. (laughs) 
So I can see why people go into denial. And they gloss over those symptoms because you were just exhausted. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you had a headache and something. Not very descript for saying, I have the Benz. It's not like you can sit there and go, well, I'm going to tick off my Benz checklist. I've got that (laughs) tick. I've got that tick. Maybe they need that. Maybe they do, Maybe but everybody's to... different. So if you're it's out there like... listening, that's a really great little business opportunity. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. But it's like signs of a heart attack. Everybody has different oh. signs and symptoms of a heart attack. So the thing they said was, it doesn't hurt to just give them a call. Yes. If you call and you explain your symptoms and they call you in and you don't have the bends, okay, you might be a little embarrassed. Okay, you might feel a little bit like a hypochondriac. But you know what? At least you're okay. Absolutely. Just double check because just to make sure everything's fine. the longer you wait for treatment, the worse those symptoms are and also the less chance of reversing those symptoms. Right. So what happens is you call up and you go, you know what? Not feeling so great. Think I might be bent. Yep. They put you onto one of their which, specialists. Which, which, by the way, just sounds... <laughs> like nothing you're describing here. I'm feeling bent. Just just alludes to something else. Okay. But okay. Okay. Ideal situation. You <laughs> I call think up. I've got the Hello. I've just been scuba diving. I feel I could have decompression illness. These are my signs and symptoms. Okay. I'll work the more on formal that. Way. Not that I ever want to make that phone call. Of course. Okay. So you then you call them up and they will assess you over the phone. And these are specialists. They know exactly what they're looking for. But they'll also prompt you with additional questions and ask you about other things that you may not think are related. Mm-hmm. And they can start to build a picture of what's happened. They'll ask about how deep you dived, who you were with, whether you'd had food, were you tired, do you have any pre-existing injuries, all of these questions. And they know exactly what to look out for. They know what they're looking for, exactly. If they feel you need to come in, um, they then recommend somebody else drives you in. Now, this is smart because if the symptoms are going to progress and get worse, the last thing you want to do is be driving a vehicle. Anytime you want to go to the hospital for something serious, you want someone else to drive? Somebody else to drive. Yes. Worst case scenario, you want an ambulance. But if you can have somebody else who can drive you there and also monitor your symptoms to fill them in when you get there, that's what you want. Great. Okay, so you then come in and they then do a triage assessment of you and they work out where you're at. And then they're explaining how there's different types of treatment depending on on the severity but the first treatment is they take you into the chamber and the chamber is nothing like what i thought it would be i'll post some photos on facebook because it was fascinating it sounds a little scary a little dr doom i pictured the hyperbaric like, chamber i pictured like a like submarine sci-fi. I, pi- I pictured like like a tube like a cylinder yeah and then you lie in it like like you would in a hammock. This is what I pictured. Yes. I had no idea what I was expecting. Yes, yes. So I'm picturing like a tube and you lie in it like a hammock and you've got a book and maybe you've got a gas mask on. Like I didn't really know what to expect. I'm thinking sort of like Bubble Boy kind of thing. Yeah. And I think the Seinfeld. problem is I was picturing like the old school hyperbaric chambers. Ah. Now, the first hyperbaric chamber, and this blew my mind, the first chamber was built in 1662. 16. 1662. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I assume the technology has come along a little bit from there. Yeah, just just a little bit. Um, so it was created by a British physician and, um, yeah, he discovered that some illnesses, some chronic illnesses could have their symptoms slightly re- reduced if the pressure was changed. Okay, so that, that's what it really came from. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where it came from. Because and then, 1662 is a, a long time ago. It was a really long time ago. Um, it, it then started to be used by the military in the 1930s and okay. they began to see you know, some of the benefits of, of using this sort of thing, particularly as they had um, divers and they were going under pressure and were also beginning to build tunnels underwater and people were working at depths for longer periods of time. So, yeah, the 1900s is when it really picked up. Right, okay. 
So I'm picturing like old school, like James Bond sort of stuff. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. So it turns out, no. Um, you go into the room and you have a shower and then they take you through the safety. And the safety is what blew my mind. And I've got a photo of it. I'm going to read it out rather quickly. Okay. Um, but the safety is for everybody because remember, it's not just you as a patient, but there is a nurse who is going to be in there with you for your entire treatment. Okay. They are under pressure as well. So this is for the safety of everybody. Yes. Here's the list of things that you cannot take into a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Shoes, hair gel, jewellery, perfume, watches, batteries, hairspray, cigarettes, medication, newspapers, metal objects, coins or money. Don't know why you'd need them anyway. Yep. Mobile phone. I can understand that one. You'd get bored really easily. Thermal pads, hearing aids. I don't know if there's much to listen to. Lotion and oils, electronics, nail polish, stockings, matches, makeup, lighters, pages, keys. Then all garments that are less than 100% cotton. Yes. Um, cannot be worn because if there's static or anything that in- contains oil or grease or alcohol, anything like that, is a major, major problem. Okay. So to give you an example of how major this problem could be, um, they did tell us some doom and gloom stories and one of them was out of China a few years ago. Yes. And there was a guy and he was being taken to the chamber. I don't know if it was diving related or work related or something. And... Um, I don't know whether the safety procedures had been explained properly, Mm -hmm. but he got into the chamber and there were a few other people in there and and medical staff. And um, he decided that the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, oxygen being a key word there, um, was the ideal place to light up a cigarette. Right. He blew the chamber and killed seven people. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So they're, they're really strict on this sort of stuff. And they talked about how they had a guy... A few years ago in the, the Melbourne Chamber at the Alfred. And uh, I don't know how far into the treatment they were, but he said that his head was feeling very, very warm. And um, the nurse came over and his head was actually burning. Wow. And he had forgotten that he'd put some oil on his head. He oh. didn't have much hair on his head. Yep. But he'd put some oil on to um to just make sure his scalp was nice and soft. And um, under pressure, that had completely changed the characteristics of the oil. You know, I've gone and back he to- suffered burns. I'm going back to thinking of, you know, a Doctor Doom or sci-fi tube. <laughs> because if you've just got a bit of oil on you and it, that- could set your hair on fire. I mean, I don't want to go into a place like this. No. You were telling me all these positives about I it. Now, let's. I think I'll just avoid as much as possible. Well, exactly. I mean, that's the plan. We might go to a quick song and I'm going to tell you afterwards because I like to build suspense. Yes. What it's like in the chamber. The chamber. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I love it. Because my mind's been drifting lately Because I fell asleep in winter Okay, well you're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR. Erin, would you like to tell us who that was? That song was a song about a song. No, really, it's called A Song About a Song. Really nice little song there. That was uh, a song about a song. That was called A Song About a Song. <laughs> it's from a great little three-piece, and I'm actually really biased because I know them all, but <laughs> a little three-piece That's called Heartwood. Right. I think you should all look them up. You can't getting... play your mates on community radio. When can you play them? That's right. That's what we're here for. That's Forget about the science. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, hyperbaric chamber. Now, I've got in my mind Doctor Doom. Yep. I'm, I can see a castle. I can see this tube which you go down into the depths. Uh, tell me a little bit about it. Okay. Well, it was really cool. So, I've just been through all the safety. So, we weren't actually going in the chamber for real. Yep. So, we had phones and cameras and everyone's like, whoa, selfies. Um, but there's two there's two little rooms. The whole thing's made out of metal because one room goes down to 18 metres. Um, and if you're going in there for your first treatment, your first treatment is generally four hours and 45 minutes. Lovely. Uh, so they take you down to 18 metres. They give you various combinations of 100% oxygen followed by normal air because oxygen to- toxicity is a, a risk. They don't see it in many people, but it's still a risk that they need to manage. Too much oxygen. Yes. It's toxic to you. Yes. I will post about it on Facebook so you it can learn more. It gets worse and worse. <laughs> no, no. Don't let this put you off diving. Diving okay. is great. Okay. Um, so that's usually your first treatment. And if you have really delayed and been in major denial, that first treatment is usually extended to seven hours to try and see some re- relief from your symptoms. Okay. So that's the larger room. I don't know how many people they'd have in that room, but I felt okay in that one. Yep. It's the other one that I felt a little creepier in. Okay. So it's about half the size, yep. probably even less than half, and that room goes to 50 metres depth. Right. Now, remember, the room isn't moving. They're not putting the room underwater. Yep. They're changing the pressure. Okay. So it's going to 50 metres equivalent in pressure. So how does that feel? I haven't been to 50 metres. I've been to 40 metres um, when diving, and it was off Bali, I think. Um, but when you're underwater, you don't, I don't know, you you don't really feel it. You're not paying attention to it. You're I don't look, know, you're so I'd love you. to know what it feels like in the chamber because you haven't got water around you. Mm. And this is one of the reasons they say that if you suspect that somebody has the bends and you can get them to a chamber, yep. don't try and do your decompression like treatment underwater because if something goes wrong and that person fits, they're underwater. Mm. We can't breathe water. This is why we have to wear heavy tanks on our backs when we dive. Basic Whereas science here. if you're in here. the chamber, <laughs> exactly, until I can have gills transplanted onto my neck, we are an air-breathing species. Which would be great. Oh, when I saw it in Harry Potter, I was so super jealous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they do the pressure and they put you back under pressure in a room that's full of air so that if anything goes wrong, it can be treated. Yeah. So, look, I guess the moral of this story is you can be as safe as you want to be and dive within your limits and do everything that you've been taught in your open water or advanced or if you're doing trimix or whatever combination of diving you're doing. But don't be in denial. If you have symptoms that you wouldn't normally have after a dive or if you're just a little bit tired or you overexerted yourself or something, it is not that you have failed. Yeah, It's, it's okay. really to- important that people realise that. It's you okay to failed. seek help. Exactly. And just double check. That's what help is there for. doesn't hurt to double check. Now, one of the things they really emphasize too, and it's just what I want to finish off with today because we're almost out of time, um, is that if you are diving around Melbourne, you really need to consider ambulance cover. Okay. So some health insurance will cover some types of ambulance cover, but they may not cover that helicopter trip that you need from down the coast to get you to the Alfred. So you really need to consider making sure that you have ambulance cover on top of your normal health insurance. I think it's like 60 bucks a year. Okay, if that 60 bucks is going to get me in a helicopter to a chamber, I'm more than happy to pay that. The other thing is if you are looking at scuba diving overseas, going on amazing exotic holidays around the world, 
consider getting scuba diving insurance. So Dan Diver Insurance, I got when I went to Indonesia a couple of years, years ago. And I was so thrilled I had that because if I needed a chamber, they would get me into a chamber, whether it was a public chamber in a hospital in Indonesia, whether it was a private chamber on an army base, they will get you to the nearest chamber. They know what they're doing. They specialize in making sure that divers get the best care possible. And when you're on holidays, sometimes you're a little blasé about these things. But if you can't afford insurance to travel, then you can't really afford to travel. Wow. Okay. Like insurance doesn't cost that much. I mean, my dad insurance, I think was about 140 for Indonesia. And I was so glad I had that nothing happened to me. But the resort a year earlier had had somebody who needed a chamber. They'd gotten bent. And you just want that peace of mind. That peace of mind. Yeah. Just that somebody is going to look after me and it's somebody who knows what I'm going to need. I don't then have to try and explain in another language what I'm going to need because I can only speak English and it's really pathetic. And I'd like to learn more languages, but I'm just not there <laughs> Same yet. Here. Well, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our show today. It was, look, a little doom and gloom, but I think the, the real message is seek help if you need it. Still I'm gonna, fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to post on our Facebook page about all of our uh, adventures in the hyperbaric chamber, but uh, definitely keep an eye out for any other tours they're running because if you're a diver or even if you're not a diver, it's a fascinating experience. Definitely. Definitely sounds like it. Well, get out there, enjoy your Sunday, and up next is Sally with Out of the Pan. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.